Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Podcast Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. One twenty-eight to go, first quarter. Texas 21, Oklahoma 7. Texas trying to take a significant lead if they can score here. They already lead it by two scores. Thompson in the shotgun. Man in motion left to right. It is a play action. Setting up at the pocket, Thompson. Deep shot, got a man behind the defense. Touchdown. Joshua Moore. It was McCutcheon in coverage. And Texas leads big. April Fools. Stoops in motion. Direct snap, Brooks. Fakes the pitch, bounces it outside. He's to the 30, he's to the 25, he's to the 20, he's going to go! Kennedy Brooks, he just won! He just won the game! Kennedy Brooks just won OU Texas! A 33-yard touchdown run by Kennedy Brooks! Fools, that's so good. I don't think I've ever heard that clip before. <laughs> I, I had neither. Uh-oh. Or uh, Thompson drop, drops back and I, oh no. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the whole thing. Left to right, it is a play action. Setting up with the pocket, oh, Thompson. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you just saw him just get ran by wide open. God, yeah. Right, one more time. Left to right. It is a play action. Setting up with the pocket, Thompson. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I got to tell you, man, I um, I was putting that together today, and I had to watch, not, not watch a lot of the game, but go through the main highlights of the first half and everything. And maybe because I downed a, enough caffeine to kill a horse about an hour before the show today, but yeah. I, was, I was getting the chills putting that together all over again. And the realization hit, like – Dang, did I see the unicorn in my life when it comes to sporting events? Am I ever going to get to see something better than that? No matter how a national championship win looks, it could be, you know, three to nothing, thirty-one thirty, or fifty-five to seven. That is gonna be, you know, yep. a better feeling than that game. But in terms of just a, a game, how great of a game, I may have seen the the unicorn in my life. I I, I don't know. It was a great game, but let me tell you how pissed I was at the beginning of it. It was a disaster. Wait, there's about 45,000. You weren't the OU, only o, PO'd OU fan during that time. Oh, I know. I was the only uh, PO'd OU fan with a microphone in front of my mouth going over to uh, however many people listening, though. It was, it was bad, mm-hmm. but hey got the w that's that's the biggest thing and you know and i was just thinking because the first play of the game is 75 yard touchdown right mm-hmm. and i i can't say that this team is going to be a way better tackling team this fall i can't say that but i can say that in time i don't know what that is 
like what the length of time. But in time, this is going to be a really good tackling defense. The emphasis on physicality and tackling is so much higher on the priority list right now than it's been in a long, long time. Yeah, it almost looks like a uh, must-it-must-it program, as Rex Kwando once said <laughs> in Napoleon Dynamite. Step one is you know, getting just better fundamentally as a defense, tackling all that. And then I feel like once that starts happening, that's going to happen next year. I feel like the athletes are going to come after that as well. What are you, what are you laughing at? Grab my hand, my <laughs> other hand. No, my other hand. My other arm. Because <laughs> I dress like Peter Pan over here. Oh man, what a great movie! Starla, hot or not? Who? Starla, his wife. Because I go home to Starla at night. Forget about it. N- not, not. Uh, not hot. Uh, Doesn't Rex walk in on Starla and is it Kip? She walks in on Starla and someone at the end of the movie. <laughs> I don't remember. Is that right? Yeah. Gosh, I don't even remember. That's funny. Wow. Yeah. Sorry to totally <laughs> derail that. Anytime a uh, a Napoleon Dynamite reference is thrown in, it's there's going to be a derailment. Yeah. Of the okay. Show. While we're on our uh, derailment here. Do you ever watch the George Lopez show? I'm going somewhere with this, I promise you. And no. I think you're going to like the you're really going to like the direction that it goes. The George Lopez show? I don't either. All right. So I wanted to give a little backstory that I don't watch the George Lopez show. Does it even exist? It exists. Currently? I don't know if it exists anymore. Oh, okay. So my wife and I are walking into our Thursday evening spots, the garage in Midtown. You know, Thursday night is garage night, you know, okay. every Thursday night. Yeah, that's right. So we're walking in, and it's one of those situations where I open the door probably a half second before this other guy. He was about to walk out the door the other way, you know? Mm-hmm. So I end up holding the door open for him. Pretty nice gesture on my part, sure. if you ask me. The guy looks at me immediately, Teddy. It's almost as if he saw me 10 minutes ago. And he's been thinking about this for 10 minutes now. He says to me, hey, you know, you really look like Ernie from George Lopez. (laughs) To which I respond, wow, thank you, because I don't watch the George Lopez show, right? Right. Go ahead and Google Ernie from George Lopez and tell me how offended I should be at that statement. Go ahead and look it up. Ernie from George Lopez, and it'll pop right up. Now, tell me how offended I should be, and you tell me if that's actually a... Yeah, does it look like it a little bit? Uh, There's only one picture here where it looks like it a little bit. But that's a hell of a thing to say to a guy that just opened up the door for you. And my response is, oh, hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. I should have known. You never want to be compared to a guy named Ernie. It's really never going to turn out to to go well for you. Uh, yeah, this is hilarious. Whether I look like Ernie or not, Ernie looks like a dork. Can you confirm? Oh, whoa. How about this? Where is the George Lopez cast now? And here's a here's a picture of Ernie way older, and I think... When I first saw it, it was like a glimpse into the future of what you're going to look like. Great. In. Do I got ears like that guy? Am I going to have uh, those ears? Uh, you've got, you've got the thick eyebrows and the, 
hairline that almost comes down to your eyeballs. So, yeah, I, I, there's some Man. similarities here. Not like the not like the Russian guy I saw in Florida. No, though. but that okay is Ernie a good looking dude by any standard? No, he's not. So what a thing to tell to someone. There's yeah, there's I, you know like no if, standard. If you're gonna say hey, you look like someone, like at least make it like charming or nice or something. Like that's a slam. That is that a dude, slam. Who just got the door open for him? Which in in I he has a. The best way to say this is poor physique. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> this is getting worse as we're talking about it. And it's like that guy, I'd never seen him before. I swear to you, it's like he stared at me for 10 minutes and was like the entire time, yeah, yeah. On a split second, he thought I looked like Ernie from the George Lopez show. Ridiculous. It's funny because I'm looking at all of these pictures, I'm scrolling and scrolling, and then every now and then, from the right angle, like very early in the show, before he, I think, gained some weight as the show went on, there's a couple of times where, yes, I can just briefly see it, but not enough to say it to someone. Uh, uh, needless to say, I've taken it pretty personally here. I would, too. I mean, that's 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 really rude. That's so funny. <laughs> Ernie. <laughs> Uh, you're an Ernie. Big Ern. So it's another awkward encounter on my part. It wasn't Major Applewhite walking in on me in the bathroom of a halftime of a football game, but I think I'd take that one all over again instead of this one. Yeah, that, you'd much rather have a uh, mustard all over your T-shirt than <laughs> to be uh, compared to Ernie. Now, back to the, uh, the tackling of the football team. That has to... It has to have an impact on the team. I don't, is it an instant impact? I would say yes, but I, I don't want people to start thinking that like, all of a sudden we're going to have a, a, a defense that's not missing. Like It's still, because of the rules of the game and how things have changed, it's it's harder and harder to, to tackle because you're constantly in one-on-ones in the open field. So, you know, the missed tackles are going to happen, but... And the the emphasis on like they're even coaching tackling what the proper way. Whoa, man! This new era is different. Uh, I'll they're tell coaching, you, man. They're, they're and they're tackling in practice and everything down to the ground. Yeah. Ooh. Now, wow. That that seems like uh, what do you mean football? They're they're coaching tackling different. Right, tackling is you bring someone down to the ground. How like what's there's a million different ways to coach tackling, and there's really uh, a bunch of poor tackling uh, technique going on out there, and it's being taught. Like that's what's happening. You know, the concussion stuff changed. The way a lot of, of people coach tackling for the first 120 years of the sport, a arm tackle was bad, right? An arm tackle is whenever you don't get your, your head across and instead of having 
like power and the weight of your body behind a tackle to where you club your arms, drive your feet, and uh, bring the hips and bring someone to the ground. What was what started to be taught by select places across the country was like the hawk tackle. I think is what some people call it. Like it's the rugby tackle where the head is behind and you wrap up and roll. Wasn't that a big thing in the off season? So however many years ago, like they changed their tackling style to that. So I a bunch of places did it and. It was because of like the the concussion stuff, and I I don't know what the data says if that's been better for concussions or not, but I know what it's not better for. That's tackling, and you know I don't know exactly like, what what all their their techniques are that they're they're coaching and everything, but I saw them doing some of the tackling drills and. It was a lot better. A well, lot better. Okay, well, that's good. And, hey, there's going to be times where, you know, you're going to be one-on-one with the, the guy with the football and you're going to have to make an open field tackle, you know, a, a one-on-one tackle. That's certainly going to happen. And the, the elite defenses out there are able to bring guys down in one-on-one settings. But, dude, I just, I just want to see multiple guys around a ball carrier at the same time because it seems like we've, we've seen so many times in the past where – if this one guy doesn't make a tackle, then it's going to get busted for a big gain. And that's yeah. not how it should be. Like you, you should have to you know, get past three or four guys to be able to get a big gain on the defense. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen immediately, I think in due time we will see you know, two or three guys in on a tackle, not just one linebacker racking up a whole, a whole bunch of solo tackles throughout a game. Yeah, one of the problems is – you know, offenses, just like in anything else, offenses are getting better and better, more efficient. They're working faster. They're finding creative ways to to create space and get guys in those one-on-ones. I mean, a lot of times whenever you've got guys that are trying to make one-on-one tackles, that's not necessarily bad defense. A lot of the times it's just good offense, right? Like that's That's the goal is – to put our good athletes in one-on-one positions. And there's a lot of things that you can do to create that with, with spacing on the football field. So that stuff's not going to stop happening. But, yes, I, part of it is, you know, and I always say this, but knowing how and where to, make a, to miss a tackle. Uh, you need to miss it in the proper fashion to where – there are two and three guys there ready to to help clean up the the mistakes instead of just blindly, you know, pulling the trigger and lunging towards a, a guy's legs whenever, and and not forcing him to where your help is, and all of a sudden that's out the gate and you got an explosive God, play. I can't look at the text oh, line wow. for the next hour. You guys. <laughs> it's pretty close. With that's the Photoshop skills of the text lines too good. I can't do this. I can't look at that, man. That makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. That's it's a glimpse into the future, man. I'm telling Someone you. Someone else said Ernie has a face for radio <laughs> there. Um, we'll have fun with this. Parker Thune just sent me a text mm-hmm. and it's a link to a tweet from Ian Boyd. He is a writer at insidetexas.com. He covers the Longhorns. Yeah. Um, all right. Levius Overton, five star defensive lineman, 
commits to A&M today. Right. Ian Boyd says the Overton commitment to A&M underscores how bad a time this is for Venables to take over at Oklahoma. His model emphasizes defensive line recruiting, and that's a tough scene right now. Riley and Grinch didn't need five-star defensive tackles for their approach. Yeah, that's just dumb. Yeah. That's a that's a bad take. Yeah, Venables has a flawed process by trying to get the best defensive tackles possible on campus. Think about that. That's a football writer, I'm guessing, right? That's, that's what I just said. He writes for yeah. on three inside Texas.com. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. You know, you're gonna have to have really good defensive tackles, especially going to the SEC to be able to compete, but let's get a coach in that doesn't recruit defensive tackles. Don't it's pretty bad. Shouldn't someone like proofread that and like maybe hand that to a coworker and say, Hey, I was thinking about sending this. What do you make of it? Well, the problem is he probably has coworkers that would say, yeah, no, it makes sense to me. I think you're dead on balls accurate with that take. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know how we, we got to this position to where. There's a lot of guys that write about football. Few guys out there know about football. I'm not well, saying you that you have, have to need. To, yeah. I, you don't need to be X's and O's like all that, but there's just. There's less of a basic fundal, you know, understanding of the sport than you would think. Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. I don't even the Overton commitment to A and M underscores how bad a time this is for Venables to take over at Oklahoma. His model emphasizes D line recruiting, and that's a tough scene right now. It's not a tough scene right now. It's a tough scene. For the history of college football, it's the hardest position to recruit because there's just not that many of those guys out there that are that are game changers. Well, I mean, it, it, even if you're paying attention to recruiting right now, there's a lot of optimism for you know getting elite defensive line talent in, like a T.A. Cunningham coming up shortly, a you know a, a by Job who I guess will probably be an edge rusher, but it it feels like the table is already turning in OU's favor when it comes to defensive line recruiting. So. That's just a massive overreaction to just one recruit. OU right. will recruit just fine at the defensive line position. They didn't get this kid, but that doesn't mean that they're going to strike out on every kid moving forward. Well, it's dumb. Here's the thing uh, Riley and Grinch didn't need that for their approach. If their approach is getting owned on the line of scrimmage in college football playoff games, then, yeah, I guess they don't need a good defensive lineman for that approach. I can't believe how stupid that tweet is. Dunk on him. Come on. You're fired up. Dunk on him. Just do it. We all want to see it. I. You're going to get a lot of retweets and a lot of likes. It'll work out well for you. Just, just dunk on the guy. But in his... Twitter picture, his profile picture. He's with his son, man. Who cares? He's a family guy. Do you want his? Do you want his son growing up with a dad around that has takes like that? No, you got to dunk on dad. Don't get soft on me now just because he has a kid. 
What if if he was a single man? You've all, the tweet would have already been sent out. Yeah, but since he has a family, you're thinking twice about it. Think about the kids, man. <laughs> yeah, I am thinking about the kids. I don't want the kids to grow up in that environment where they think stupid things like their dad. Mm-hmm. Wow. Amazing. Just well, do it. Just do, come on. Just dunk on it. I might be able to think of something over the over the next time Please out. Please do. We're all rooting for it. All right, quick break. More from the rush coming up. Keep hitting the Air Comfort Solutions text line 651-3439. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Fowler Auto Group is proud to be a part of your community where our passion and values lie far beyond the show. We believe that families, sports, art, and culture are at the heart of every thriving community. And it's important to us that we help build the communities that our dealerships call us. Stop by any of our six Oklahoma dealerships or visit FowlerAuto.com to see the Fowler Standard hard at work. We pride ourselves on being friendly, helpful, honest, and fair. That is what drives us every day. Fowler Auto Group, a proud partner of OU Athletics. Hey, Oklahoma friends, let me tell you a little something about Rightway Insurance. They're an independent insurance company, which means they work for you. They can use their network of providers to search for better coverage and a better deal for your insurance policy. Give Rightway Insurance a call today. Cavens Construction, bringing you hour number two of the rush on this Friday. Remodeling, re- uh, roofing, water restoration, and facility maintenance. Even emergency repairs. Cavens can do it. 405-573-3048. Give them a call. If you're in the Norman Moore, Oklahoma City area, if you're in the Tulsa area, 918-282-7612. Cavens, also a proud sponsor of the Diamond Envy podcast. New uh, podcast drop today. We preview the UAB series this weekend and a whole lot more. Go check that out in Apple Podcast. Let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. The kid just got embarrassed by his dad's moronic take, he tweeted out. Go after him, Teddy. You seen anything yet? I, I tried, but I can't quite figure out what to say that underscores how ridiculous! It was so bad of a take. You're is. having a tough time coming up with a great rebuttal. Yeah, Riley and Grinch's approach don't need elite D line play or whatever the the what? the tweet says. That is Alex Grinch would disagree with that. By the way, wholeheartedly. Yeah, of course he would. Everyone would. Everyone that's played in a college football playoff or national championship recently would agree. If your approach doesn't include elite D-line play, enjoy playing in the Weed Eater Bowl because that's what's going to happen. Seriously. You have to dominate the line of scrimmage, and you have to dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. You know, and You're going to dominate until you get to – that proving ground, and you need elite D-line play just to belong 
And if you don't, you're going to give up tons of points to incredible offenses and great offensive lines. It's just, it's crazy. I don't even know how someone who covers football like, can say, like, I, I understand if, you know whose system doesn't need elite D-line play? Mike Leach. Mike Leach has made a living on taking inferior talent and and being competitive with uh, the it. The only thing he's ever sniffed is a cotton bowl here and there. That's right. You can take a bad team and make them a middle-of-the-road team. But you will never win a championship unless you have elite defensive line play to some degree. Was that Ryder trying to emphasize the difference between a 3-4 and a 4-3 defense? I'm not going to give him that much credit. No. No. I don't care if you're running a 3-4 defense, a 4-3 defense. It doesn't matter. You have to have elite defensive line play. We need to expect some growing pains, but watch some Clemson D, folks. BV will have these kids in position, flying the ball, closing with intent, and finishing. That guy's comment was rubbish. Rubbish is in all caps, by the mm-hmm. way. I like the, the use of the word rubbish and the fact that it was in all caps. Really emphasizes the point. Right. Need to use that word more. There's not... I'm I'm now I'm I'm concerned about the three four versus four three text. I hope there's not people out there that feel like you don't need elite defensive line play because of like whatever alignment that you're choosing to to be in. Call them whatever you want to call them. I some of the stuff is is really weird. You got to have elite defensive line play. It does not matter. It does not matter. You have to. Yeah. To win a championship. It, it, it was a bad take all the way around. We're just all rooting for you to send that tweet out. So whenever you can get to that, please let us know. I'll figure it out. Uh, the World Cup draw was today. We don't care about that. That was soccer. But what we, uh, it's something interesting that Perry brought up to me is I think we discussed something like this before. What if college football had a World Cup style draw? when it comes to at least non-conference scheduling. Those would – the ratings for that, if every team had a World Cup draw style for just one non-conference game a year, that would draw higher ratings than maybe the majority of the games that actually get played during the fall. I know. I know it, but, again, never going to happen – Oh, there's so many things that could be done to make college football so much better than what it already is. In a schedule release, which I guess the SEC actually does, would be one thing that would be amazing. Yeah. Amazing, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, it would be awesome. Schedule release. I, I, I've always thought that like, if you could have some type of unified scheduling, it would be – Awesome. But we know how college football works. It works in the most odd, ridiculous way. I don't even know how to 
to really put it into perspective. Think about a sport in which you pay someone a million dollars because you're so bad to come in and get pounded. Think about how weird that is. That's weird that you have to pay opponents because you're so much better than they are that they would never dream playing you unless you pay them uh, high into the six figures and sometimes seven figures. So when I was thinking about this today, I was trying to find like a system or a website or something to wear on the show if we had the World Cup-style draw for the non-conference games, the three, yeah. how we could do it and what it would look like compared to the you know, current non-conference schedule. So I, I found this website just – it's just you just pull it up and it just shows random NCAA football programs. Okay. Yeah. So tell me what the structure is for the non conference. Is it home away home? Like tell me how it is and I can like randomly World Cup style almost structure the non conference schedule for next year. Home away home. Home away home. Okay. Clicking it right now. Home against BYU. Okay. Road against SMU, not as cool. All right. Home against Colorado. Hey, that would be the best non-conference slate we've had in a long time. Right? Yeah, it really would be. For three games. But how awesome, like the, the suspense of that. And don't tell me that if OU were to draw a random road game at Georgia Tech that Fans wouldn't show up to that game in Atlanta. Yeah. OU fans don't need a 12-year heads-up on a place to make it a destination. I know. There, there, people have the means to, to make a road trip happen within an eight-month time frame or however long it would be. Yeah, that would be so cool. I don't even know what's happening next week in my life, but I sure have the date for that 2035 non-conference game. Like, oh, I can you, plan ahead. You knew about the uh, Nebraska game from last year and this year back in 2012. I know. Well, that's kind of a sensitive subject because I ridiculed that for uh, such a long time that when it showed up, I was like, oh, my God, dude, that's, uh, that's scary that it's actually here now. That means I'm old. I was laughing at how old I was going to be whenever that arrived. Not even kidding. I did the uh, random thing again. Mm -hmm. This schedule would be home against USC in week one. Yeah. At Tulsa. Yeah. Boise State at home. (laughs) Let's go. Dude, that's like like a dream non-conference schedule. The team you want to face, USC at home. Everyone can go to the Tulsa game. And Boise stayed at home for some revenge, what, several years after the fact. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. Which would have more pressure to win, the USC or the Boise game? <laughs> uh, That'd be a high-pressure non-conference schedule. It would be. Here's the thing, and I'll just tell you right now, and you you know this, if if USC has a good season – uh, like good enough to where they make the Pac-12 championship or something like that, or maybe just miss out on it, and Oklahoma doesn't go to the playoff, 
they're gonna they're gonna match OU and USC in a bowl if at all possible. Yeah, that would be the oh gosh, what's what are the what's the semifinal games this year? Is it back to the peach? Back to the peach, and if the fi- what what I'm getting at is if the Fiesta Bowl is not a playoff site this year, then I feel like that's where it would happen is in the Fiesta Bowl, OU and USC. Yeah. God, the, I, the real reality is we would probably have to have a terrible year, right? To for that to happen, but if it's at all feasible. And there's not like a some type of big championship on the line. They're gonna they're gonna try and steer that to make it happen. I think a Fiesta Bowl might be. I think it might be a semifinal this year with the Peach. I think. Yeah. But um, are we all in agreement that we'll miss out on a playoff this year to play SC in a New Year's Six bowl game, or even mm. in the Alamo Bowl? Oh hell, we ain't ready. I'd rather not go and get embarrassed. Let's go beat USC. Right, yeah i i would I would love that game. I would love that game because right now we are realistically speaking. And hey, special things could happen, and teams can come together like crazy. We've seen it happen before, but right now we're we're not in championship form, and it's been further along than USC is. Right. So, right. I I I don't necessarily have the expectations of of a playoff or a national championship like I think we could win the big 12 and be a one-loss team and that's got a really good chance of being in the playoff but you know I, I think we're still going to find it difficult once we get there all right quick time out more from the rush coming up hit some things that caught my eye next It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, and we call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. I didn't know what to make of this. We saw that Kaepernick had been made a captain, honorary captain, by Harbaugh and Michigan. And now I see that, which, by the way, Michigan's spring game is tomorrow. Yep. Kaepernick is going to be putting on a throwing exhibition at halftime with some draft-eligible football players from Michigan. So basically it's just a uh, podium for him to have a pro day in front of people? Is that it? Yeah. That's it. Hmm. What reaction is that going to get for the like the halftime entertainment? <laughs> well, I don't. I mean, you you lived in Michigan. Yeah. Do you have a good pulse of the Michigan fan base? Like which way they lean, left or right, or is it pretty much down the middle? I, I would imagine that the response is going to be pretty much right down the middle. S- some hate on that, some praise mm-hmm. on that. You, you know what I mean? I feel like it'll be kind of a a mixed bag up there. But you know that state better than I do. Yeah, I don't know. It is 
I think it's I think it's like a lot of states where there's like the big city pockets are heavy, heavy, heavy Democrat, but the rest of the state is mainly conservative. But because of the the numbers in the cities, yeah, like it's yeah. always like really close, sure. but the numbers in the cities uh, keep it to that spot. But you know, I got to feel like for the most part, and it's not overwhelming, but the college football fans are, I would say, I don't know. I don't even want to make that, that leap. I could be wrong on that. Uh, it's probably regional, but, uh, I just thought that that was just really, really weird. Right. Isn't that weird? Um, to have a pro day for a guy at halftime. Yeah, it is strange. Um, they're just doing him a favor essentially is, is giving him a, a pro day. Um, I feel like he could host his own, though, and he would get people that would show up to that. It would make such big news. Well, he did that last year, right? Yeah. He has has done it before. It was television. I guess there's going to be some scouts there and stuff. So, um, interesting. The only other thing that I've got is uh, I had forgotten about it, but (laughs) the Final Four is this weekend. Yeah, it is. Right? So, we got the Final Four happening, and – I still think it's amazing that Duke and North Carolina never played in the tournament, and you got this one in a Final Four. It, is this like the biggest, most dramatic Final Four matchup given the circumstances? I, I don't and the know. Teams? I don't know what could be bigger um, with the storyline of Coach K, his last year, and the first time meeting in the Final Four, dude, I, I don't, I don't know what would be, I don't know what could be, what potential matchup, what potential situation could be bigger than this. Yeah. Now we'll see how great the game is. I have a very bad feeling that Duke's going to run away with it, um, but the storyline in itself is is awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, final one that I have is Jim Carrey done. Retiring, walking away from Hollywood. No more movies for Jim Carrey. Interesting. Well, you just made that comment about Hollywood just a couple of days ago after the the whole Chris Rock situation with Will Smith calling Hollywood spineless. I wonder if uh, this is a reason why he's retiring. I don't know. Uh, well, I'm retiring, Carrey said during a Thursday appearance on Access. Yeah, probably. Uh, I'm being fairly serious. Um, I guess you never know with him. He's... It's kind of been all over the place recently, but looks like Jim Carrey is stepping away. And some may say that he stepped away a long time ago. All right, I got a few. Ten years ago today, Bobby Petrino today took a <laughs> motorcycle ride that changed his entire life. Yeah. It spurred in uh, an incredible string of events, including him standing at a press conference uh, with a neck brace and a sugar bowl hat. But 10 years ago today... Uh, and a that, massive road rash on the face. Yes, that motorcycle ride happened 10 years ago today. Crazy. And Arkansas is on the rise, and Batrino is at Missouri State. That is true. So LSU fired head basketball coach Will Wade right before the NCAA yeah, right. tournament. Since LSU fired Will Wade, the Tigers have lost 11 players to the transfer portal. That's a lot for a mm. basketball team. Two players to the NBA draft, and all four players committed in the 2022 and 2023 class. They have zero scholarship players from this past season still on the roster. So they fired Will Wade. 
Zero scholarship players on the roster. All the recruits he had committed are gone. The new head coach, Matt McMahon, is literally building from scratch, taking over the LSU's job. That's kind of awesome, right? You'll have no expectations. Zero. Zero expectations. So uh, enjoy it, Matt. It's going to be tough, but enjoy it while the expectations are non-existent. But to lose everyone, every scholarship player, every committed player, um, buddy, it burned down, didn't it? Oh, Matt McMahon's probably like, all right. Guys, so where's the uh, where's the basketball NIL situation uh, at? What are we looking like there? Hey, one final uh, one final thing. This is a 45 second clip of Bill hmm. Self speaking of the Final Four. <laughs> we like to make fun of Bill Self for saying and 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 uh 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 and e e e e e is. I got a 46 second clip here, Teddy. Okay. Three and a half is the over unders on uh 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 and 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 and. You got the over or the under on three and a half. I think Bill's got something to say. I'm taking the under. One. <laughs> Two, <laughs> three. <laughs> that counts four. Yeah. Yes. Five. <laughs> That Boom. was pretty good, and, 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 and. But my favorite is the, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, Billy's got him a team this year. I didn't, hear any, I didn't hear anything he said. I didn't either. I honestly, no clue. Sure was great, though. I was trying, because for those listening, I've got Tyler's computer screen here in the studio, and... The audio clip, it has like the equalizer thing that goes up and down. And, and, and. I was trying to pick out where on that recording where where the ands were going to be. I I did okay. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Stay tuned. Brought to you by Pacifico. Pacifico, letter reminds you to live life anchors up. Cavens, 405-573-3048 if you're in the Oklahoma City, more Norman area. Tulsa, 918-282-7612. Remodeling, roofing, water restoration, facility maintenance, emergency repairs. Cavens can do it all. All right, so in about an hour, we're going to go to pregame of OU Texas baseball. They're playing in Arlington. What do you think about moving the series from Norman Norman to Arlington? So... OU gets a payment up front from the Rangers, yeah. which is a pretty nice little payment. OU also gets the entire gate, all the tickets, and the Rangers get to keep the uh, concession and parking. So it's more money than what they would get hosting the series at home, and they're trying to really upgrade the ballpark for the move to the SEC. Like it, love it, or hate it? I, I like it for the money. 
I I guess I just like it. I don't know. I know I know a lot of fans up here that probably wanted to really watch that series or or maybe upset. Maybe some went down for it. I don't know. I guess I'm kind of on the fence here. If it's that sounds like a pretty good Sounds like a pretty good deal. Money wise, it is. I mean, yeah. it's a pretty good deal. Especially if they get a big gate, which they will for three games. I think they will. All right, quick timeout, final hour of the rush coming up next. Stay tuned.